Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Knowledge Panel Show, the interconnect between digital PR and SEO. And uh, as usual, I've got a, a fantastic panel here. Guys, uh, thanks very much for coming to the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, why don't I ask you guys to introduce yourselves, please? Luke, why don't you go first? Tell us about yourself. Where do you come from? What's your role in digital PR and or SEO? Uh, nice to meet you, Dixon, and everybody on the panel. Uh, my name's Luke. I'm from a B2B uh, agency called Definition. My background, uh, so I got into PR around 2008 into SEO about 2012. And I kind of uh, specialize in the intersection of using kind of top tier PR to influence search engine rankings pretty much. So that's kind of me and my background. Pretty much bang on topic for the uh, for the talk today. So uh, Leanne, how about you? Where do you come from? How do people know you? Hi, so nice to meet all of you. I am Leanne Macriani and I'm the founder of LA Search. We're a digital marketing agency that specializes in fashion and music. And obviously, that's my cat. Sorry for the interruption. Um, <laughs> and yeah, one of the services that we offer are digital PR and obviously SEO. Are you in LA now? No. So LA stands for Leanne in the LA side. Oh, I wish yeah, I was in okay. LA. All right. I'm in Fair London, up. unfortunately, but <laughs> <laughs> not to yeah. worry. Okay. And Natalie, how about you? Tell us about yourself. So I'm Natalie Arnie. I'm a freelance SEO consultant. I work across all three pillars of SEO, so tech, content, and links. Um, and I come from before, way before um, I worked in SEO. And before I worked in teaching, I have a bit of um, traditional PR experience as well. So it's a, a bit of a mixture. Excellent. Good. And finally, last but not least, Hannah, tell us about yourself. Where do you come from? Uh, hi, everyone. So I'm Hannah. I'm the um, founder and managing director at Show Bravo, which is digital PR and content marketing agency. And uh, my background, so very long time ago, I started as a journalist, uh, focusing on broadcast and then online journalism, then went into traditional PR, and then went into SEO and focusing on digital PR and link building. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming along. And uh, the show's sponsored by InLinks, but don't worry, you don't need to know anything about InLinks whatsoever. That's all right. Uh, um, they'll be fine. Uh, and uh, so just before I dive into the uh, to the show proper, let's go and find out if, if David's got technical challenges or whether there's things I missed out. Not at all. Not at all. I reckon I've fixed the situation. I think you have. It sounds much better. Okay. There we go. What have I, what have I missed? <laughs> Quick screwdriver, right? Yeah. Um. I just want to share that um, a lot of people listen to this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, other podcast platforms, but it's great sometimes to see people live to actually have your question being answered as well. So do me a favour, and the next time that you're actually listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, think, OK, sign up to watch live, theknowledgepanelshow.com, and actually say in the YouTube chat, um, I heard about this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'd be great to hear from you as well, and great to see you interacting as part of the chat. Uh, and I'll tell you later on this episode uh, what we're going to be discussing in the next one. That's brilliant. Okay. So guys, at the top of all the show, I, I, a lot of people don't 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 wait for the 45 minutes of a podcast and stuff so uh and and rather than make them wait till the end for for one big tip uh i'd like to sort of do it at the start so you know when it comes to digital pr and seo give us a tip that we can take away um right at the top i'm going to go the other way around now and start with hannah uh and put you in the uh, in the uh, in the hot seat first 
I've got a, got a tip for a takeaway if people haven't got time to be here for the 45 minutes. So I think, um, you know, use, use, um, generate great content, use great content and, um, kind of look into, you know, what is it that you want to achieve when it comes to, um, using digital PR within SEO and, uh, make sure that you do your research into what's working, what's not working, uh, for, for example, competitors, uh, whether that's your um, client's competitors or your agency competitors, and uh, make sure that you're looking after um, anything that you create because, of course, we love evergreen content that gets links all the time, um, you know, getting links in relevant websites, um, delivering or getting um, the right traffic to your clients or your brand site. Uh, so you're saying that... Uh... Um, you know, the links are a big part from your perspective of digital PR is, is, is a large bit about link building. Yeah, absolutely. Link building, a huge part, of course. Um, content goes alongside making sure that it's high quality content um, used in the right, the right way as well. Um, and then the content and the links should then generate a very nice and relevant traffic. So we'll dive back into that one, I'm sure. Uh, I'll do, let me just dive go, go on to, to Natalie and, and, and Leanne and Luke and get some tips from them before we, we dive in. Natalie? Um, my tip is um, if, you're, if you're running a digital PR campaign, don't just focus on content and link building. Um, work with the the more technical side of the SEO team as well, because um, the impact of building links and um, or like link acquisition overall is to acquire link equity and then spread it throughout a site. However, obviously, if you've got issues like broken internal links and things like that, um, obviously, you know, in links can help you with that. But um, making sure that um, when you do create your fantastic campaign and you get all those really good quality links, that they do reach the pages that need to need to be reached um, and that you don't have those broken links along the way. And that, you know, it's if especially when you're when you're running a, a specifically, you know, evergreen, really evergreen piece of content that's going to acquire links over time. Keep an eye on those internal links and make sure that that what your hard work actually reaps the reward which i guess is what the pr people are really bad at they're great at making a big story and not necessarily good at doing the follow-up kind of techie kind of um not so exciting stuff it's two just two types of brain isn't it really sort of left brain right brain thing going on and we're only good at one of them so yeah it's a good tip leanne yeah so i would definitely recommend having a good tool um as part of one of my tips so in terms of when we do our digital PR, we definitely do keyword research to help with our content creation, to give some guidance in terms of what the audience are actually looking for, but also to look at authorities of the types of PR targets we'd like to get to. So what are the authority scores of those websites? What are the opportunities there? Um, and a good SEO tool will definitely help in the right direction. So uh, do you, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll say the advert for InLinks later. So apart from InLinks, yeah, what, what tools are your favorites for the keyword research? So we as a team utilize SEMrush um, just because it does help with keyword research. And you do have the backlink reports that give you sort of insight into authority scores, things like that, um, and what competitors are getting links from, things like that. So, yeah. Okay. And Luke, tip for you? Uh, tip for me. Stop, don't, stop thinking about links. Start thinking about authorship profiles. Think about who represents your brand, what it is they look like online, what it is that people see when they search for stuff that isn't just your website or your social profiles. How, uh, how much expertise are you actually conveying in the SERP? would be my tip. 
I, I love that as a tip because it's it, it's I think increasingly prominent you know uh, out there in the world as as the world becomes more and more about you know fake news going out there and just spam news and automatically generated news and stuff i'm sure that's going to go into automatically generated um p- press releases as well so clearly knowing who who's behind the content is is probably more and more important than than, than ever before i mean let's just dive into that i mean have you guys already started seeing um, AI-driven press releases out there at all? Or is that something that you think is going to hit our world with horror in 2023? Anyone want to jump in on that? Have you come across any, tried any, played with any? Luke, you were just about to dive in. Uh, I'm not press releases as such. I see AI-generated content on landing pages, but I think it's pretty clear when it has been generated by a bot as opposed to a human. Um, as we saw the other day, we've had another reminder in the uh, wake of the helpful content update that AI content is spam, right? Now, whether you choose to believe that or not, or whether you choose to believe that uh, you have an AI generator that can generate content that's better than spam or can't be detected, I don't think there's a substitute for the kind of expertise and authority piece, right? For users to know who's written it and know why what they're reading should be believed. So, guys, does that mean that you, you know, on, on that that bit, it helps to have an authority that you might bring in to do a press release at, at, at all? Um, Hannah, Lee, Eliane, Natalie, have you sort of had any experience of that, or are you guys sort of writing the content and relying on the, the managing director of the company to be the, the face of that content? In terms of the way we work, we have um, writers in terms of our agency in-house that works with the company. So again, it depends on what the PR release is about, what kind of, what kind of message or story we're trying to tell. Um, and it sort of ties into the, the, the AI conversation just previously. I think when you get, you do have agencies out there and AI form content that's very templated. Um, it doesn't stand out to journalists. It won't be picked up by journalists. So I think, you know, for us, it's the key and core of what we do is to represent the brand story first and get out their message and the story and something that hooks the journalists um, in a different way that they wouldn't see traditionally. So we work with the various team members in house to get quotes and perspectives on the story and then turn that into a Okay, so so you wouldn't necessarily have um sort of Luke's piece there of, you know, making sure the the author of the piece is, you know, internationally renowned. Perhaps I'm overdoing that um uh, that uh, a little bit, but taking that sort of idea to its extreme. Um a press release for you would be um uh related to the brand. It wouldn't be, you know, signed by anybody on that press on there of specifically it would just be signed by the company effectively would would you say yeah so someone from the company um that you know wants their name story to be out there would be signed off by the press release otherwise it would be our agency but generally it's the company themselves yeah, yeah. i mean is, is that the best way hannah i think um with with experts and with uh companies directors or whoever you know is representing the the press that's going out it's about that that person that expert and like Lucy you know you've got journalists can they do their homework they'll have a look at who that person is look at the link profile social media profile or on the bio page on the website so having that expert it just that's what go that's what gets the presses there very often uh, because we can of course offer comments advice and tips within the press release but um, journalists have their own 
um, articles they're writing, their own directions they're taking, and they are not afraid to ask a question. So have not ha not having anyone in there or, you know, having a fake or AI generated is obviously if you get the questions, you're kind of stuck because what you're going to do when journalists from national uh, publication is asking questions that they need answering within an hour, for example, for an article. So it is the expert, the person that is within the press release, whether that's um, but spokesperson or within a um, no to editors um that's it's about um giving that person in in there to to represent the brand all right uh, let me move on to another bit and um sorry natalie uh, just just wave your hand if you think i need want to jump in or anything and i've missed something out but uh, i want to just move sideways on and and, and talk about the different what, what's the same about digital pr and seo and what's different between SEO, SEO and digital PR. So what are the, I mean, I think we, we talked, you already mentioned sort of links as, as, a, as a main, inter, a large intersect between, uh, between uh, digital PR and SEO. But what is the goal of digital PR? And what is the goal of SEO? And where, where do you find that they overlap? And where do you think they differ? I'm going to go with Natalie on, the, on this one. So, you know, what are the, what are what are the what are the similarities and differences between these two concepts? I think with digital PR, it's not just about the links. Um, so there's so many other ways that you well, you know, it can be one of one of the KPIs of a digital PR campaign is to to acquire good quality links. However, there's so many other things that do come alongside it. Um, whether that's you know brand amplification so um, for example if you've got a really effective digital PR campaign um, you might not get loads and loads of links however you could get heaps of brand mentions you could get lots of um, social coverage as well um, you could also have a lot of people searching for your brand um, so that's for example one of the KPIs or a, a or an additional KPI to a to a digital PR campaign aside from links and um, and coverage could be brand search for example um, and you should, should never underestimate the power of it because when I was in house um, no one had ever heard of us um, but from some of the campaigns that we've done um, they weren't massive scale um, but you know appearing on radio on the BBC News getting some really good nice links washington post that that kind of that kind of work and that kind of coverage um was yeah our, like our search volume just it, it just increased which was fantastic which then obviously you know it, it's got that avalanche effect where it, it can be continual um or it could be that you'll need to you know keep up with that campaign but i think with digital pr um it's not just about links there's so many other things that you could get so many benefits from a digital PR campaign and obviously you know if you're going to be if you're going to be creating really helpful quality content as well um as we keep saying helpful 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 content is key um making sure that we've got that helpful quality content that can be amplified not just at, at campaign start but at regular intervals that's you know that's that's gold really yeah gold. no I, I think this this whole idea of amplifying the brand is is you know that's what pr is supposed to do traditional pr is trying to amplify the brand isn't it so uh, any other thoughts or, or, or on that um that anyone wants to jump in on well i'm just going to say that it kind of obviously serves different parts of the sales funnel as well right so you do have that pr awareness and credibility piece uh, but you, we if i ever have a conversation with a prospect who brings me asking for pr 
And I spend 30 minutes asking them why until I get to the point where they go, we need to increase lead gen by X percent uh, between now and say whatever in six months time, then the conversation becomes a different type of PR. I mean, for me, SEO is just a different type of PR. It's a subsection of it. Uh, but I wouldn't be selling PR to uh, generate inbound leads. The days of people reading about blue widgets in the newspaper and then ringing, wanting to buy 10,000 blue widgets <laughs> are somewhat behind us. That's not to say there aren't niches where it happens. Like we've got engineering clients where a particularly um, innovative engineering practice, for example, might genuinely result in an inbound lead or a, a phone call, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't work like that. On the other hand, we'd never run a PR strategy without an element of, an SEO strategy, sorry, without an element of PR in it, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, guys, on that, on that, what about headlines? In the traditional days of PR, uh, it was, you know, before the internet came along, I remember being president of my students' union and 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 the PR department because you got a lot of PR departments in a students' union. Uh, you know, um, we're, we're all about writing a headline, and and the headline was really really important. Uh, and then as I went through my SEO career, I found myself having to uh, re-educate a national newspaper team because they were writing all these sensationalist headlines that nobody was looking for and nobody cared about. Um, has there has there been a, a shift? Okay, maybe maybe a shift in sort of uh, a, a long time back. Maybe it's already happened decades back. But you know, do 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 you still find PR people writing sensationalist headlines that don't have any effect for SEO, or do you think that uh, that headline now always has some kind of SEO element in it in a good press release? I think you'll still find. A good few that is the great clickbait <laughs> headlines. Um, so I, I, I do think it's definitely been there's been a shift and it's getting the right direction. But I think you also will have those people who will go like no SEO, no digital PR. That's not the way. Traditional PR is the way, and uh, they will carry on the way it's always been working ten years ago. So you know it's uh, it's definitely not not as as it used to be. But I think there will be still some. You know I do receive press releases now and then and some of them are great examples of what I, it should I, look I, like and I, I guess a sensationalist headline is great for twitter or tiktok or you know those or kind Daily of things Mail. as well or yeah or instagram so uh, perhaps uh, perhaps i should be not so quick to disparage any any sensationalist headline if it's going to get that clickbait and then people are going to tweet about it um you know i mean what what, what are the best sorts of uh, the of press releases and, and digital PR things that you've you've been up to or seen recently. Uh, Leanne, do you, do you want to yeah, sing, sing the praise of one of your campaigns or something that you saw recently? Oh, my goodness, putting me on the spot. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to do um, that. It's okay. It's So one of the most recent ones, and I'm allowed to say it, uh, I think I'm allowed to talk about it, um, is a collaboration for a fashion brand that we work with called Boy London. So they've collaborated with quite a huge partner on a specific collection. Um, and we have just finished that release. So we're um, good to go. We're about to, I think, press the button next week. So I can't mention too much about it. You probably shouldn't if, yet, you if it hasn't got out yet. Not, you don't want to mention it too much. It's not is out. It? Um, but it's quite exciting because it's uh, a quite an interesting story of how the collaboration came about um and again it's just nice to hear the stories from both sides 
um, in, you know, figuring out what, how one brand connected with another one and then created this. So, so, so basically product. it's a, it's a story that you're, you're, you know, um, that, that's going out there. Um, Luke, yeah. stories, good stories. Is that what you find uh, works for you in a, in a press release environment? Yeah. I mean, it, I suppose to a degree, right. It depends on the format. So yeah, if you're talking press releases, news is news is news, isn't it? I think, uh, I don't think a lot's changed since Adam was allowed. I remember one of my first mentors was a former uh, national economics editor at Channel 4 and the Independent. I remember day one, he said a few things to me. He said, firstly, make sure people, your clients, are putting their heads above the parapet, saying something interesting and moving the story on. Uh, secondly, look for the money and sex, because that's ultimately what's going to run as the headline. So that's kind of staying with me. Now, in B2B, there's not a lot of sex. There is quite a lot of money. Uh, and uh, inevitably, when it comes to kind of newsworthy material, um, there are kind of some staples that are always going to work as headlines. And all you've got to do really is kind of log on to any of the sector pages on, say, the BBC's website. You are going to see the same headlines rolled out again and again and again. Essentially, the same stories rolled out again and again and again. On the other hand, if you're looking at kind of more long-form opinion-type pieces, those kind of bits and pieces, um, I'd say the keyword research piece becomes much more important, either because you're going to, say, pitch a kind of long-form piece at, maybe a trade publication that sits by the paywall. So you want to be able to uh, syndicate and duplicate that content in your own site. And therefore, you've got to be thinking about the headline and the kind of keywords in the headline, or because your own site has a very low authority. So you've got an opportunity to piggyback on a much more authoritative site. So we've used that tactic in the past, for example, where we've put small tech companies up against massive tech players, but being able to outrank the massive competition by piggybacking on the authority of the editorial site. So we'll write an article, for example. I remember one one that comes to mind was on data center migrations. There was no way we could outrank like your uh, huge US tech giants unless we got that article with exactly the same headline uh, published in, say, like I think it was Computer Weekly or something. And because we got that, we were able to outrank everybody, jump right to the top of the results stack on the set. And the client was delighted. Um, so it depends on the format to a degree. I mean that that whole uh, keyword research piece is uh, maybe worth coming back to because uh, there's no reason why the people in the room need to know this, but uh, would know this. But, uh, but unless you're, you're sort of big Linux users, but we've also we're also Semrush fans, so we take the Semrush um, data. But uh, but what we do is we now uh, are trying to um, to change that data. One of the things that we see about keyword research is that most of the data sets are saying how many people type in any particular phrase, but we don't see that as very um, as, as too helpful if uh, there's no context. So if it's a house, for example, then if you want to buy a house, that's completely different to selling a house, to decorating a house, to painting a house. These are very, very different concepts because of the, you know, the verb that uh, that goes before it or, or after it. And uh, so, so we're then throwing all these ideas back into Google Suggest to try and find out ones that are relative to the existing website that's out there. Um, I mean, how much do you do you rely on keyword research? I mean, Leanne, you talked about keyword research before and how important it was to you uh, and to, to your, your world. Um, at what point do you throw the keyword research to one side and say, yeah, okay, but the, the customers, the customer does this and the keyword research says that. Yeah, I think, again, like I said, that sort of starts off our process to see, you know, some sort of guidance. So I wouldn't say we, we would do away with keyword research. Obviously, that's the sort of foundation of giving us an idea of topics, things like that. As you said, it does not 
sort of give context though. So, you know, it goes a little bit further than that. You know, we do our keyword research as a, a base to have a look at what themes and topics uh, people are looking at at the moment. Are there things trending with that? In terms of SMRush, uh, I don't want this to be a, an SMRush plug here, but there is also a content theme sort of tool that you can use to build content, to come up with headlines, to have a look at what people are sort of pushing through in terms of content regarding specific topics, themes, and industries. So again, just to see what's out there, you can use things like Bazumo, things like that to see, you know, what are people putting out there, what are get, what's getting traction and engagement. And then that's coupled with your keyword research. You can build a really good piece of content. Um, and also, I guess we're all believers of, you know, you want to write things that people will find and discover that's the most important part and so I think there is a key in looking at the keyword research to get some guidance so Natalie and, and then Hannah and, and possibly Luke uh, do you what, what about you do you start with the keyword research or do you start with the the idea as it comes naturally or do you start with a you know what other goal uh, what other goals do you start with as your starting point where does keyword research fit in Natalie for me I think a lot of the time I'm working on integrated campaigns. So whether I'm kind of doing the whole thing, <laughs> so I'm advising myself on which keywords to use and what we need to target and how we're going to be doing it, or obviously working with a team that's able to then say, you know, we need to grow um, our keyword set in a specific niche or topic. Um, so, yeah, I think having, having that guidance of keyword research really is important. Um, but there's so many other things that can be thought of as well, because I think keyword research is obviously only one part. Um, keyword research isn't always 100% up to date. Even when you're looking at um, Google Trends, for example, um, it, there's a you know there's a it's a, it's a one to a hundred. Um, so if we if we can figure out you know how how a topic is 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 growing. Um, is only between like yeah a one and a hundred zero and a hundred. So for example, if something's trending, say on TikTok, and you know you're going to you want to take advantage of that topic and you want to create a really great piece of content on that topic, and then build in some additional kind of insights, grab some data that you've already got to show it off, show off your products, get a really nice quote. Keyword research isn't going to show how many people at that moment are actively searching in that realm. It's with Google Trends, for example, it's only going to show you what that uh, you know percentage metric is, or that you know the growth. So I don't know up one hundred and eighty percent. So I think that's that's you know the the data isn't always part part of it, um, and the keyword research data isn't always part of it. There's there's additional pieces of data that you can use as guidance, but also a lot of it is you know number one gut feeling. And number two, that creative side as well, because, you know, keyword research can't do some really creative ideation of some of the campaigns that we've seen over the last couple of years. It, it just doesn't do that. However, those that those, you know, that those campaigns, those pages and of, of really kind of amplified specific websites um, on specific topics because because of that creativity and because of that gut feel. Okay, uh, Hannah, keyword research or, or a different starting point, or Luke? Definitely agree with uh, Leanne and Natalie. It's it's it is a part of the process. 
Um, I think um, at the beginning, you know, with other research, definitely looking into and adding cute research into the process, but then taking it through with what is it that is actually happening around us and, you know, what's our gut feeling or what's been working, what's not. So I think it's part of the process, but not one to solely rely on. It's lots of other elements that we need to look into to get the best out of it and and get the best process in place as this is this is all interesting to me because uh because because we've just launched a new keyword research functionality and it's kind of like oh why didn't i sell this to the pr people instead of to the seo people it would have been a much better idea really uh luke well just i've got you to sort of have your say as well you know keyword research big part of your world or not so much yeah it is i mean it comes back to format again right so it depends on what we're writing if we're writing a landing page for a solution or service or a blog for example, designed to bring in organic traffic at the top of the funnel, happy days, press release less so. What I would say, though, is kind of re-emphasizing and echoing what Hannah just said, which is uh, it, it shouldn't just be based on the available data, right? I'm working on the basis that, say, Google's Keyword Planner, right, its AdWords tool, will say something gets zero searches if it gets fewer than 10. Now, if I'm selling something that's incredibly high value but very low volume, and I'm getting lots of uh, feedback from say the subject matter experts and my client, that all their customers call it this thing. But Google Keyword Plan is telling me, but I get zero searches a month. But I'm like, well, yeah, but it's still worth me going after because I have a hunch and some very good authority that even if it's two or three people searching a month, if I get one of those conversions, if I get that traffic and something does convert, then I've paid for myself for the next 10 years, which has happened before, right? Like, so it's it you can't just rely on it. No, and I think uh, you know Google is very much you know moved towards you know trying to plan in 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 sort of slightly broader concepts. You know, so it doesn't matter you know whether you type in house or home, it's the same thing, and Google knows it's the same thing, and and is trying to get to the same underlying piece of uh, information um, quite often. In fact, house and home is a is a is an example. If you type in home insurance into Google, you're going to get house insurance or, or vice versa um, in the results. So it's quite clear that Google understands those two are the same the same concepts i think um so that's fine uh this that's this that's all pretty interesting so what about um the the clashes between the seos and the pr people where does that come when do when do when when does well you can decide whether you're an seo or a pr person when you're answering the question but when does the other side of the funnel get most riled do you think? Yeah, so I bet I've, I do have experience with this. I So my background is predominantly SEO. Um, and so I am in favor of SEO. However, now that we offer digital PR as a service, I've learned to, as we mentioned before, it sort of ties into when does SEO dictate and where does PR start? So it's sort of finding that middle ground where you allow creatives to be creative and remember why PR is being done um, and sort of giving way. So I guess it depends on the the situation really um, where I've said from an SEO perspective, that doesn't make sense. Or you come back and you hear, oh, it's got picked up. How many backlinks did we get from that? Oh, is there no follow links? Oh, no. And then you have to sort of change your mindset and say, okay, just because they know follow links, you're still getting the brand out there. It is an online presence. You could be getting referral traffic. It's still mentioned. There is still, there is value in terms of SEO anyway. Um, And I think it's really important to remember that and 
also like like we said before you know not have seo always dictate pr because sometimes it doesn't work it's about writing content people are going to read um and get and giving value obviously at the end of the day great thanks so much anyone else for any uh, any uh, ideas of you know where they clash where seos and pr people clash just say at the beginning before I get started. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not trying to get anyone into trouble here. I don't, you know. No, I think it's it's um, not just that really at the beginning. It's really just working together. The best results are when PRs, the digital PRs and SEOs are working together. Um, it's definitely, as Leanne mentioned, the follow, no follow, or, you know, we want only DADR this many, 60, 80. I think it's there where, of course, national publications are amazing. Um, getting a following from, you know, BBC, who doesn't like that? Uh, but I think every um, every brand and every every client um, will have really big value in niche publications, which are not DA or DR eighty or seventy. So having a niche publication talking about a client featuring a campaign or expert comment anything in the space of where exactly the industry is, where the industry people are reading it, that's the customers are there, that's a massive value which can get overlooked if we all focus on only this, you know, certain metrics. Yeah, I guess the the more you choose the metrics um, at the start, the easier, the harder it is to stick with them because the because uh, the successes aren't exactly the ones that you envisage in the first place, yeah. which does oh, lead I- us to, 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 to talk about um, oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was just going to mention with with EA and DRs, I do like kind of um, compromising on average, so you kind of allow this perhaps lower DODR publications follow no follow, um, which are driving a great amount of of relevant traffic and the high as well. So it's not kind of not excluding any anyone or any publications. I was seeing uh, recently. Um, I was at Brighton and uh, in the PR track of uh, Brighton SEO. And uh, someone said that the the journalists now are having the number of links people that link to their articles as a KPI for themselves. And I think that, if that's true uh, on a general level, is going to start changing the game because it means that they're writing articles that people are not just talking about but are linking to. Uh, and that's great for SEOs, I think. Um, is that something that you've seen out there? Um Luke? I'd, I'd be interested to see that. I talk to the guys at Press Gazette quite a lot, and I've not heard that. I hear, you hear a lot about um, you hear a lot about views being worked on as KPIs and things like that. Less about the uh, less about links to publications. I think the issue a lot of UK publications and UK newspapers are having is content syndication. Like there's we've seen a lot of reports from the Sun and the Mail Group about their content being rewritten and outranking them in the top stories carousel. Um, yeah, and we're also now moving into the territory of seeing brands outrank news publications as well, which gives an entirely new spin to digital PR, right? We're sitting here today talking about links and things like that, but Google News gets billions and billions and billions of views a month. If I can get my brand onto Google News and outrank the publishers by writing better stories, more timely content, with more clear kind of expert authors behind that, that content, then I don't need to worry about links or brand mentions. I can skip out the media altogether and go straight to the source and drive a load of referral traffic. Now, genuinely, I think we'll get to the point where it, we end up upsetting journalists because of that. There's no way, but then that's, that's another question, right? Because then you've got to then compromise with journalists. Journalists isn't going to feature your expert if your stories are outranking that newspaper. 
Oh, that, that comes back to your original point, though, that the journalist is the is the authority behind the story. You know, there's a good journalist and then there's an unnamed journalist. And uh, No, the journalist isn't the authority behind the story, man. Journalists right. move from beat to beat. They go from fishery to defence to education to business to finance to back Just, to something completely unrelated. Yeah. One of the best opportunities we have as digital PRs is uh, educating journalists on subject matter. Because like cabinet ministers, they have no prior experience in what yeah. it is they go on to do. So you've always got an opportunity to re-educate them. Always got an opportunity to put your source as the expert, uh, your subject matter as the expert, as, as the uh, as the thought leader they can use. But uh, sorry, just an opinion. Right? Yeah, no, I think that's a very interesting opinion because it's kind of yeah, it depends how you how you how you look at uh, what a journalist's role is in society and how that's going to you know go go through to to the end. And if you if you're saying that journalists are on thin ice, then maybe they do need to have links with the KPI. Because they've got to get people talking about their stories, not just reporting the news. Um, I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on that, Natalie? Or I, I hate saying, you know, well, it depends. But I think it really does vary in terms of publications that you're targeting. So as Hannah mentioned earlier, with the niche publications, if you're working with niche publications, there's bound to be more. In theory, <laughs> the people writing that content are more likely to be a little bit more specialist in that area. So... You would, or you would expect that. Whereas if you're looking at someone on a, in, you know, in a in a larger kind of more tab- tabloid style publication, where people move from one desk to another, so they might be on politics, or they might be on lifestyle, or they could swap over depending on their interest, depending on if there's, you know, we all we all move jobs, <laughs> you know, depending on how we're feeling at the time. It, it, people, journalists are people too. And, that, and they can move from one thing to another. And it doesn't mean that they're always going to be a specialist. Um, but, yeah, again, marketing your your um, client as, as, the, as the authority is, is the number one thing. Um, and then, obviously, you know, the, the journalist may come second. Again, dependent on the publication, dependent on their specialism. There are some really fantastic, you know, really niche journalists out there who have such passion the topics certainly there's a few about. there's a few people um, in i'm so in danny goodwin or or rusty brick was his barry schwartz or you know uh or, or, or um you know there's 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 very specific people in the uh in, in my industry usually who are on search engine journal or search engine land um you know who it's very clear to me and i guess that's the same in any niche though you know that those people are creating they're not creating the stories. Barry Schwartz never creates a story. He just, except for the fact that there's always an update. Every time I see see Barry Schwartz, he's saying that there's an update on Google because that's what gets him traffic. Uh, and uh, uh, I, but I think um, you know those people are clearly very knowledgeable in their niche. And I, as an SEO, would like to get my links from those people because those are the people that are already seen as authorities within my world. Than I don't know. Then. Um, you know, generic, generic national press here. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to yeah. object to a BBC link at all. Of course, as Anna says, who wouldn't? You know, sorry, Natalie. And there's also the what? Sorry, there's also the what? There's also a really good way that you can work with authoritative journalists in your in your space is potentially reaching out to freelancers who are specialists um, that do work for publications, working with them and pitching the articles in time, like together as a team. Um, so really finding someone that's that's really authoritative in their um, in their space that could write specific pieces of content for those top tier publications. Now, I, I've got a friend, for example, who's a fantastic disability writer. Um, so anything in in that niche, 
I could partner up with her and and pitch something and it's you know it's the best of both worlds then but there's you know there's lots and lots of other ways that you can that you can work with work with journalists aside from send them a press release and hope for the best sorry to jump in i'm really Please sorry do. guys i've really enjoyed this conversation i have to jump off i'm afraid no we're at the um, end anyway so luke why don't you just before you go tell people where they can get hold of you from and we'll do the same with everyone else sure yeah b2b comms man all one word linkedin tiktok uh i like talking as you probably know so lots of stuff on there youtube so on and so forth but Thanks for having me Thanks today. A lot, really Luke. appreciate it. Cheers. Nice to meet Thanks you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Uh, we're on the same same front then, guys. We are at the t- end, end time anyway. So, so Leanne, where, where can people get hold of you? Uh, same as Luke. So, obviously, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook. And you can have a look at our website. So, it's lasearch.co.uk. So, LA Search is going to be a lot easier than trying to uh, spell Leanne um, uh, then, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, LA search is great. Hannah, how do they get hold of you? Uh so our website shellbravo.com probably easier than my surname, but uh, sorry, say that slower. <laughs> say that slower, because there's gonna be people on podcasts who can't see oh. your surname anyway. Okay, so it's Hannah Bednarova. <laughs> so just um, for those guys that need it, it's Bednarova is B-E-D-N-A-R-O-V-A. Sorry, I have to do this every time I do these podcasts because yep. okay. people <laughs> forget so, uh, that they can't see a screen. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the one. But yeah, shellbravo.com or uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, Instagram is a bit personal, but, you know, if I like you, I might let you in. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's me. <laughs> Thank you. And Natalie, what about you? How do they find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, on Twitter. My Twitter is underscore underscore NCA. Um, but yeah, mainly Twitter and LinkedIn. And then my website, and Arnie's A-R-N-E-Y. So thanks very much for coming in, guys. Let me just bring in my producer again uh, and find out uh, what we've got coming up next uh, on the next show, David. Sure. We've got every guest book for next time. And the topic's going to be link building that works now. The guests are going to be Bibi Raven, Eva Cheng and Debbie Chu. That'll be on the 21st of November, 11 a.m. EST and 4 p.m. GMT. Sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com. Thanks very much, guys, for coming along today. I really do appreciate appreciate it uh, and um, uh, we'll get this uh, up on podcast and things and let you know where the links are for everything uh, but for now thanks very much and thanks to everyone in cyberspace <laughs> <laughs>